our scripture reading today. Thank you very much. I invite you to take your Bibles if you have them with you or your Bible apps and open them up to the book of Genesis chapter 18 as we uh, study a really neat passage of scripture today about Abraham, the father, one of the fathers of our faith We're going to read verses 1 through 8 of Genesis 18 today. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes... My Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed, and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three Sayas of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today we're in the second message of our series on Christian hospitality called Being Neighbor. And uh, we're focusing on people because we are in the people business. You, you might not like the word business, but that's our business. And I'm not talking about the secular kind of corporate world. I'm talking about our business is people. Our ministry is people. Our priority is people. Helping people to become known by God and to know God and to have their lives transformed, as you heard John share in his prayer just a few moments ago. And uh, I, I believe that there is no other organization on the face of the earth that has the responsibility of the church. There is no other organization on the face of the earth that should be about people than the church. We are in the people business. We're not perfect here at HRBC. There, there's no perfect church uh, we, are, we still have work to do, but I do believe that there is something special about this place. I believe that there is a spirit here that you don't find in every church. And we're new here. We've been here just a little over a year as your pastor and family. And the, the moment that we engaged in conversation with the search team about the possibility of receiving a call to ministry here, we sensed something very special. And that's something that we don't want to just treasure among ourselves. That's something that we believe should be contagious. And we want uh, to share that spirit with other people. But there's something special about this place. If you've been a member here for a long time, you know what I'm talking about. And if you're a guest, I hope that you will sense that spirit as you engage in the life of this congregation. We truly want to treat our guests and members like Jesus would have us do. 
If, you, if you've heard Amanda and her children's message, if you've ever moved to a new town, you know what it's like to be a stranger. You know what it's like to be kind of um, on the outside. If you are a student and you've gone to a new school, you know what it's like to be left out at the lunchroom table or not invited to play out on the playground or given a seat on the bus. And I will never forget when we first came to this church how our student ministry, our youth, just wrapped their arms around our daughter, Isabella. She's now in sixth grade. She was fifth at the time. One of the big worries that I had as um, a dad leaving a church where we had served for 16 plus years and raised our daughter and she knew everybody and was in school with all the kids, one of the worries that I had was how is she going to adjust to all of that? How is she going to assimilate into a new school and make new friends? Uh, Many of you have probably been right there where we were. And it was so warming to my heart when Isabella told me that one of our youth invited her to sit at her table on the very first day of middle school in the sixth grade. They had talked before the first day of school. Haley Anderson is uh, the other student. And Haley said, Isabella, I want uh, you to sit at my table on that first day. And Isabella said, she said, Daddy, I remember um, I walked in the cafeteria and there were hundreds of sixth graders. I think there were about 400 sixth grades at her school. There were hundreds of sixth graders, and I couldn't find Haley, but Haley was looking for me, and she was waving her her hands, and Isabella uh, spotted her and had a place at the table. And uh, and then Isabella was able to connect and, and begin to make some friends. And as a dad, that just made my day. And I was so proud, John, of our youth because of the way that they have welcomed her. And, and I just want you to know that. And I hope that we are like that too, that that youth that she models how we should be uh, in the world. Jesus uh, does not want anybody to be on the outside. I believe that spirit is just in the DNA here at this church. I want us to now transition to the story of Abraham because Abraham was also a stranger in a foreign place. Our text from the Old Testament deals with the roots of Christian hospitality in the New Testament. Our story today, the father of our faith, Abraham, was a stranger in a foreign land and and yet he welcomed strangers. And it was the Lord he welcomed in a very mysterious way. The story is set in a place called Mamre. It's located in the land of Canaan just below Bethlehem if you look on a Bible map. And this is where Abraham and his wife Sarah pitched their tent and established their residence. But though that this was their home, they were still strangers. So we need to remember the backstory of Abraham. If you look at the Bible map, on the far left uh, lower portion of the screen is a place called Ur. Say Ur. Ur. Excuse you. Ur. All right. Excuse me. Ur. Um, you are. Ur. This is the locale where Abraham's family was from. It's in the southeastern part of modern-day Iraq. And Abraham's family left Ur, and they were to go to Canaan. Well, they didn't uh, make it all the way to Canaan. They stopped in a place called Haran, which is in the top middle of your screen. 
And that's where they set up their home and their family, Abraham's father, prospered very well. Well, his father died there, and you remember picking up the story in Genesis chapter 12 where the Lord uh, spoke to Abraham, then Abram, and said, go to the land I will show you, meaning uh, Canaan, go to the land I will show you. Abram didn't have a road map, he didn't have a specific place where he was supposed to go, God just told him, go to the land I will show you. And the scripture says Abram got his family together and all his possessions together and they left and they made that 400 mile journey to the south and ended up in a place called Shechem and then in the hills of Bethel. Well, because of famine, they then journeyed to Egypt and spent some time there and then journeyed back up and settled in Mamre once again. This is the place where Abram had a number of encounters with the Lord. This is where the Lord changed His name from Abram to Abraham. This is also where Abraham ministered to the guests who arrived at his tent as strangers. God appears with two angels or messengers. Many Catholic scholars believe this a set of messengers is the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, our text in the Hebrew Scriptures doesn't explicitly say that. That's one way to read into it. But we do know that the Lord was there. That the Lord and these two messengers were there in bodily appearance because they ate and they spoke and uh, Abram was able to minister to them along with Sarah. I love the painting that you see on the screen by Dutch artist Arendt de Gelder. He is a, was a student of Rembrandt and uh, depicts Abraham ministering to these three individuals. One of the major themes of this narrative is the hospitality that Abraham offered to these strangers. Abraham himself, although that was his dwelling place, was still an alien. Later in chapter 23, verse 4, he says, I am an alien and a stranger among you. He himself, who was a stranger, extended hospitalities to strangers. He, he treated them with dignity and with the highest of care. As you remember me reading in the, in the text, he gave them water to wash their feet. And that was a way that, in that tradition, you would greet any guests who came into your home or your tent. He got them something to eat. He refreshed them, uh, gave them the choice calf, prepared for them curds and milk. Sarah baked bread and just put out a wonderful uh, array of food for them to enjoy. I'll never forget being in Indonesia a number of years ago on a mission trip, and we went way up to a, a village in the mountains. And while we were there, the, the tribal head of that area, if you will, uh, had us sit down in the, the little structure, and they brought us boiled eggs, they brought us chicken, we think it was chicken, we, we brought, and, and we ate, and they ministered to us and welcomed us, though we were strangers. It's that same kind of understanding. Uh, Abraham and Sarah treated these guests as they were family until they went on their way. While they were resting and eating, Abraham um, stood under a tree and waited almost as if he were 
there to serve them in any way that they needed. So this passage teaches us the hospitality that we should offer to others. That we should expect Christ to show up at any given time. And that as we engage with others, we should do so as if we were entertaining Christ Himself. This passage is the backdrop of that passage in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, which says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. That's the mindset that this Scripture teaches us to have. So I hope that we would always be um, thinking in this way, how does God see other people? And how do I see other people? Am I looking for Christ to show up when people come in to wherever I am or whenever I'm engaging with others? Or when guests come to our church, people we don't know, people who may be on the outside looking in. How do I see others? Writer Christine Pohl quotes John Chrysostom, who one of our church fathers some 1,500 years ago uh, shared this with his parishioners. By how much the brother may be least, by how much the brother or sister may be least, so much more does Christ come to us through them. It's powerful. Paul goes on to say, if when we open the door, we are oriented towards seeing Jesus in the guest, then we welcome that person with some good sense that God is already at work in their life. This can fundamentally change our perspective and our sense of dimension of the relationship. That God's already at work in that person before we even engage with them. And we are more sensitive, she writes, to what the guest is bringing to us to what God might be saying or doing through her or him. That God is present in that person. And we just need to engage to see how God has already been at work. You know, when someone just comes to our church as a guest for the first time, that means that the Holy Spirit has already nudged them in some way and has led them here. God is already at work. We need to be thinking in that way. And at the end of the day, this is our business. We're in the people business. Seeing others as God sees them. Listening to what God might be saying uh, to us through them or doing in their lives. Christ is present in the people we meet. So if that's true, and it is, then shouldn't excellent customer service be at the very core of what the church is all about? And again, using sort of a business word there, customer service, but why, why should uh, we look to the corporate world or retailers or restaurants or hotels to be about the hospitality ministry? They should be looking at the church. We, we had it from the very beginning. We are about people. We are in the people business. And churches should have a, I'm going to use that word, quote, customer service mentality. Uh, how can we be uh, our very best to our guests? You know, uh, I've read several, in several places that people are more likely to share bad customer service with their friends than they are good customer service. You know, if you go to a restaurant and everything is really good, you'll tell some folks. But if it's bad, <laughs> I'm going to get on my phone right at the table. And people post comments and reviews 
and will share negative things. One uh, source said, people are five more times likely to tell of a bad customer service experience than of a good one. And I believe that's true in the church. People are much more apt to talk about a negative experience in a church than they are a positive experience in the church. How, uh, how, you don't have to raise your hand, but just say, how many of you have ever heard somebody say, I went to that church and the whole time I was there, not one person spoke to me? I've heard that more times than I care to hear. And, you know, we're not perfect. That could happen here. I mean, it could, someone could come here to this church and we would assume somebody else spoke to them and that person could leave here without having been engaged. That, that can happen. We are not perfect. If it has happened, we're sorry and we, we, we are a work in progress. We're not where we want to be yet. But I do believe that there's something special about this church and I hear many good stories from our guests who tell me when I engage with them that you are a very warm and welcoming church family and I really appreciate that. Um, here are a few examples from business world that can help the church be about a customer service mindset or hospitality mindset. Uh, Chick-fil-A. Uh, if you've ever gone there, whenever you, they wait on you or serve you, they always say, it's my pleasure, no matter which one you go to. And I read a story about a mom who had gone to the drive through at a Chick-fil-A and it had been a really stressful day, a busy day, and she got home and everybody else had their food, but her Chick-fil-A sandwich with mayo was missing. Oh, so upset. So she called the store to let them know. She wasn't angry, but she said, I just wanted to let you know that I got home and my sandwich was not in my bag. And the manager got on the phone and said, we need your address, please got her address, and not too long after, the store manager showed up to her home with her Chick-fil-A sandwich with mayo and duplicated the entire order and brought the entire order again, gave her her money back, and put some extra chicken nuggets in there for the kids. Now, that's good service. And she told other people about it. You see, that kind of going over and above the, the call of, of responsibility. Or Nordstrom, if you're in the marketing world, you might have heard this story. Out in Anchorage, Alaska, there was a Nordstrom clerk who was on duty that day, and a man comes in with two snow tires, and the man says, I want my money back. And the Nordstrom clerk, see, they're empowered to make the decisions on the spot. They don't have to call, they have a certain amount of authority. And the Nordstrom clerk looked at the price on the tires, it was $145, and the, the clerk said, um, I'm happy to do that for you, gave the, the man $145 in cash for the two snow tires. Nordstrom sells upscale clothes. They don't sell snow tires, but the man insisted that he had bought them at that store. Rather than argue about it, they gave the, the man his money back. What we may not realize is the man had purchased those snow tires at that location because Nordstrom bought an old mall building that had an auto center there, kind of like Sears does, and he indeed had purchased those tires. It was just a wrong store. He didn't realize that, and 
the Nordstrom clerk was empowered to make that decision. And that's been one of the leading customer service stories in the customer service industry. Wegmans is coming to our area and they are consistently number one in customer service among the grocery industry. And they have uh, empowered their employees in the same kind of way. And there was a great story about a lady who was supposed to go out of town to a family reunion and her work prohibited her from getting there. So she called the Wegmans in that area and asked them if she could order a cake to be taken to the family reunion and she wanted to pay for it over the phone with her credit card. And the employee knew that it was against store policy to take a payment over the phone with a credit card. But the employee, sensing the situation and look, listening to what was going on, had a certain amount of authority and the employee went ahead and made the decision to receive the credit card payment and the cake was uh, delivered to the family reunion and the customer was just beside herself. These are some wonderful ways that we see customer service being handled out in the corporate environment. And I believe that we want people to tell those kinds of stories about what's going on in God's church. Just as, as Abraham greeted those strangers and welcomed them in and gave them water to wash their feet and something to drink and something to eat and allow them to be refreshed, uh, so too the church should be that place. Philip, on Friday at our staff uh, visioning retreat with some of our leaders, you had shared that passage, I believe, from Psalm 107 that talks about an, uh, uh, an oasis in the middle of the desert and uh, that the church is, is as an oasis. Uh, I, I see that picture in memory as Abraham welcomed those guests. And I hope that our church can be that same kind of place for people when they come. So as we wind down today, how can we um, create a culture of hospitality here in this place? How can we be even better about meeting the needs of those who come here or when we go out into our neighborhoods or to a workplace or to the school? If you're taking notes, there's an acronym uh, using the word FRIEND. And I hope that you'll take notes and use this as you are going uh, out into the world. First, the F in friend is to make people feel welcomed and valued. If we see Christ in others, if God is already at work in others when we engage with them, then automatically we should sense God at work and God's love for them as a child of God and we should value them. We should make them feel welcomed and valued, like they are the most important person right there. The R in friend is work hard to remember names. This is a tough one, isn't it? And often we don't, we'll see somebody and we don't know their name, so what do we do? We, have, we walk really quick. You know? We want to avoid the situation because we can't remember. And so here's, you know, and this is a big church and you can't know everybody, and this is what I've done. I'll, I'll say to somebody, um, help me remember your name today. I, I'm having a problem uh, with, with recalling. Help me remember your name. And, um, and they will, will help you. And then sometimes you might say, how long have you been coming to HRBC? Because you might run into somebody who's been here 40 years, treating him like a visitor or get, a guest, as we like to refer to people. 
And that's okay, it's a big church. So if you say something like, how long have you been coming to HRBC? They might say two weeks, or this is my first time here, or they might say 40 years. And that may be a way to engage in conversation, to remember their name. And if you see them again and you forgot, just, use, just say, listen, I'm working hard on it. I'm not good with names. Help me. Uh, the I in friend, create an inviting mindset among members that you and I should have a spirit of invitation, that when we go from this place, we should desire to invite others to come to worship with us, to experience what God is doing in this place, and uh, to see if, if there's a, a way that God would lead them here. The E in friend is to exceed expectations. Just like we heard from those three examples of hospitality, that we might desire to exceed the expectations of others when we are ministering to them here at HRBC. The N in friend is needs are met, that we are about meeting people's physical, emotional, and spiritual needs as a church family, creating a culture of hospitality. Physical, emotional, spiritual needs are met. If we can't meet it ourselves, then we can connect with somebody else in the church who can help with that. And the D in friend is to deepen relationships with one another. It's hard to develop a relationship with somebody on um, Sunday morning in an hour. If you and I want to engage in relationship, we've got to invite them to the table, perhaps a meal, Invite them to a small group, maybe it's your Sunday school or your small group, in some way to take that next step and to invite them so that there's a relationship that began uh, to form with someone who you don't know. So that FRIEND acronym, I hope, will help you and me as we are engaging with the people God sends our way. Uh, several years ago at the church where I served in Mechanicsville, a person lost his mother. The, the young man was not a member of our church, and neither was she, but they were connected through one of our members. And our member said, Bob, do you think that you might be able to help? And I said, absolutely. And I met with the, the small amount of family, and uh, we agreed to handle the funeral and to provide the sanctuary and to provide a reception for them. And then I learned that the young man was, uh, there was going to be a cremation for his mother, and he didn't have a memory urn for the, the remains. And he was just upset about that. So I just did it. I, I just called my friend who's the shop teacher at the local middle school, and, and I said to him, um, Here's the situation. Is, is there any way, this, is, this funeral's coming uh, very soon, is there any way that you might be able to um, put something together to, to make a box? And he says, it's done. And I'll never forget the look on the young man's face when we presented that box to him and shared that. And he says, how much, how much do I owe you? Nothing. Just filled with tears. And I said, this is our gift to you. Our services, the sanctuary, the reception, I said, this is our gift to you. This is our ministry. It's just what we do.
And I sense that here too. I sense that same spirit here in this place, and I'm so thankful that God has called us to a church where we feel that same spirit. Because you and I just might entertain angels when we minister to strangers. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us who often are so far from you. You desire us to be close, but we do our own thing. We let the world get in the way, let busyness get in the way. We rush by people. We miss needs. And God, so help us to pause. Help us to have the eyes of Christ to see you in others. And just like Abraham took time out of his day and resources and ministered to those who were strangers at his tent, God, in so doing, he encountered you and he heard a message from you saying that they would have a son. And God, this was part of that promise, that greater promise that you gave to Abraham and Sarah that a whole nation would be born through them far more than the grains of sand on the beach far more than the stars in the heavens God you were at work in that situation and so too we may encounter you as we exercise the gift of hospitality to those who are around us we pray this in Jesus name